It's the True Achievements Podcast. On today's show, Microsoft's 1180 causes yet more DRM drama. Rockstar shows some character with their new GTA 5 trailer. Kawabunga, this year's Summer of Arcade lineup is revealed. Completion percentages plummet as everyone's been diving. And OMG, Michelle takes on the Achievement Challenge. All this and more on your super cuddly True Achievements podcast. everyone to the True Achievement Podcast for July of 2013. I'm your host, OSU Blue Jacket, otherwise known as Jay. I'm the editorial manager here on the site. With me, as pretty much always, we have a panel of experts or pseudo-experts or people who we just managed to wrangle in so they could talk about a few things. We have uh, Michelle. Go ahead and say hello. Hello. That's all I'm going to offer. We're starting off fast, this podcast. Yes, I like yes. Yeah, I like <laughs> that too. Uh, and we also, as always, have the guy you all want to hear from. Go ahead and say hello, Rich. Hey, it's me. <laughs> Fair enough. And, and and for those of you who are new to the podcast, let me just go ahead and say Michelle is also known as Matrark. She's the news manager for the site. And Rich is also known as True Achievement, and he is the grand poobah, the daddy, the, the creator of the site. Um, daddy. The daddy. Quite literally the daddy at the moment. Yeah, New, Rich's latest real life achievement is is discovered her feet today, which evidently is very cute. <laughs> yeah, it's very cute. She's actually been wearing her truepoopers.com uh, baby grow that the staff got me, which is very cool. So that, uh, she looks great at the moment. Adorable. So um, it's kind of the slow dog days of summer as far as video game releases go, but that doesn't mean we are short of news and things to talk about. But we're going to kick things off with our uh, standard segment of what you playing? Uh, find out what you guys are doing right now. So, Michelle, what are you playing right now? Um, I have been playing more Army of Two, uh, The Devil's Cartel. Actually, finished the game on normal because um, that's my way and uh, my call partner's way. We tend to play through on the normal, and I think Insane might open up after normal. And so we've been playing on Insane now. Uh, and what's been really interesting about the game actually is how it finally feels like a co-op game now that it's a lot harder. Um, yeah, in, in the early difficulties or the lower difficulties, because the game is pretty easy um, and it's very forgiving, you you, know, you run into everything and you stab a guy in the face and maybe you're, you get out of sorts and you get downed and your partner comes and saves you, but everything's great because you can soak a thousand bullets. On harder difficulties, when you try that same uh, technique, you die very, very quick. Um, and... Unlike the first game where there were all these visual cues about who the enemies are paying attention to and, and whether or not you can move forward, that doesn't really exist in this game. You can see it if you're looking at the bad guys, but there isn't like um, a heads-up display that shows you that. So now we're seeing that as we're playing through on Insane, where we'll go through and get killed a few times and get frustrated at each other, and then go, wait a second, if we just talk and treat it like a co-op game... We'll, we'll, we'll be able to manage it. And that's so it really finally feels like a co-op game. It's actually much better on Insane than it was on Normal. Um, 
but it's it's fun. It's good, solid um, third person shooter cover deal. Um, Would you recommend playing it if you weren't going to play it co op? Uh, my general rule is no. Uh, mm-hmm. If it, a game is built for a co-op experience, even something like Star Trek, <laughs> um, <laughs> I know. But even something like Star Trek, if it's built for a co-op experience, that's really the way you should try to experience. And um, just just playing through the game now, and um, Army of Two got some pretty rough reviews, uh, lots of average, so not not bad, but five sixes, maybe a seven out of ten, and it deserves some of that because the 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 character models for the characters that you're the, the enemies it's very bland it's the same guy the story is nothing too special um but people really ragged on the gameplay and again at a lower difficulty and if you're playing it by yourself which many reviewers do um i can see that i completely get that criticism but when you actually really play it as a co-op game and playing it on the harder difficulty and and that's relative right so the more com- comfortable you are with it the the higher difficulty you should play at, but it really it's it's fun now. It's a lot of fun uh, to go through it, and it's frustrating at times. But it should be the games shouldn't just hand you everything. It, you should be challenged. So um, yeah, so definitely enjoying Army of Two, and uh, we're about halfway through Insane. Uh, but otherwise, it's just been odds and ends. You know, playing the Connect a bit, using my Windows Phone, nothing too substantial. Like you said, it's the summer, so there's not a whole lot new coming out to work on. Cool. Uh, Rich, what are you um, playing right now? I have been playing a lot of Grid 2, actually. I've also done a bean dive this month, which I'll talk about a bit later. So um, apart from that, I've been working very hard on something else I'm going to talk about later. But the rest of the game time has been Grid 2, which is um, a, a considerable improvement over Grid 1, which I also played. Um, Codemaster's got the handling spot on in, in number 2. Um, single player is pretty easy. I got the rock. Uh, you rocked achievement. Uh, for winning every single race in the game for a huge 215 TA um, without too much difficulty. So um, I didn't have to replay too many of those races to do that. So uh, that was a nice big chunky TA achievement at the end of the game. It's got a sort of Forza-like structure. There's um, five seasons um, in the single-player campaign. And just like Forza, each season has longer and more events in it than the last one did, but also has faster cars. So... Um, you, you get the payback. Um, some of the cars in Season 5 are absolutely ridiculous. There's uh, Bugatti Veyron, which I think is the fastest, oh, yeah, fastest road, yeah. road car there is. And it's so... I saw that one on Top Gear. That is a beautiful <laughs> yeah, it's, car. Um, it's amazing to drive. I always play races um, in the in-car view because it gives you a much, much greater sense of speed. I, I it, it really annoys me when the default view is outside the car. It, just, it, it never looks right to me. Um, and it always looks slower. So... Um, in Grid 2, the normal in-car view is actually really low to the ground, and it, I didn't really like that, but they have a bonnet cam uh, view, which is sort of raised up a little bit. You still can't see any of the car, um, so you still get the full sense of speed, but I was using that throughout the game. I think the single-player campaign took me somewhere between 12 and 15 hours to finish, so it's a you know, reasonable-length game. Um, but there's a whole world of fun online um, as well. There's um, different playlists you can play, so they've got normal racing games, um, races, events. Um, There's also alternative events, which are things like time attack, where you have to get the fastest lap out of five laps. Um, The person with the fastest lap wins. There's drift events, which I'm not massively keen on, but they're not too too frequent in this, so it's not too bad. Uh, There's also face-offs, which are one against one, and endurance races, which are get as far as you can in a set amount of time. And each of those is is played with um, up to 11 other people, so 
12 people concurrently in, in pretty much every game mode, which is a lot of fun, actually. Um, highly recommend the game. I th thought it was superb. Um, and I've only got, I think I've got 44 out of 50 achievements, so only six to go. Um, one of which I'm finding particularly tricky, which is the gone in 60 seconds one, which is to complete a lap of one of the tracks uh, in a Ford Mustang Mach 1 in less than 60 seconds. And I must have had about 20 goes at this and I've still not done it yet. And an really annoyingly, I was playing online with um, Datboy Tracy from the site and um, he did it first time while I was in chat with him and I was just like, oh, <laughs> so frustrating. So, um, well, Treasy, he's, there are gamers, there are achievement hunters, and then there's Trees. Yeah. He's, he, he's got some sort he's of He's legitimately good. He's yeah, he's, he's just really, really skilled at it for sure. Well, maybe he'll make a video. Yes, we could use that. He made quite a few. Actually, I, I want to push that. He made quite a few awesome uh, Grid 2 videos. So um, check them out on his YouTube channel. They're very cool. Yeah, and um, we have the official site review for Grid 2 as well. Dave K wrote it. Um, so he gave it a 4 out of 5. Really enjoyed it. You know, he, he kind of said there was uh, kind of trying to please everybody between a simulation racer and a, a more, you know, casual kart racer. Arcade. Or arcade, yeah. arcade style racer. But it really straddled the line. So. Yeah, he, he gave it a pretty good review. I think he gave it a four out of five. I would give it five out of five to be honest. Ooh. I absolutely, I couldn't I couldn't find fault with it, but um, I'm, you know, I'm a racing guy. Yeah, you so. are. Awesome. I'm biased. <laughs> um, so I think back in our uh, June show, I said I was playing Dark Souls, and I just, uh, I, I, I'm saying I hit pause on playing Dark Souls because I felt like I'm wandering through this land with no idea what to do and no clear direction and not really getting much feedback so i was like yeah i'm gonna stop for a while because i needed something that i could feel progress in so i picked up started spec ops the line and uh mm. um i like that too it's good isn't it it's pretty good i mean it had really good mechanics um I, I played it through on the hard difficulty um which is where i usually play most of my shooters and th there were points of um frustration where i'd hit a certain area and it would take me like six, seven times to get through it. And it would flash the prompt, do you want to lower the difficulty? And I'm like, no! Yeah, I had that. <laughs> no, I want to do it here! <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I finally beat I it on... on at least three occasions already, and I'm not even that far in. Yeah, I finally beat it on hard and then uh, went through and cleaned up most of the achievements. And the only achievement I don't think I have for it is beating it on the hardest difficulty, which I don't even want to try that. Um, and I'll explain that here in a minute. Um, and the thing that kind of... I, I don't know if there's a good word for it, but it's something I noticed is within the span of like a month and a half, two months, I played both Far Cry 3 and Spec Ops The Line, and both of those games curb really, really heavily from Apocalypse Now, uh, the film, and Heart of Darkness, the book, where it's kind of this descent into madness, and you're on an expedition to, to find someone or to do something who might have gone insane. And it, it was one of those things where I, I kind of felt uh, just because I played both games so quickly together that that games need to find a new thematic influence if we're always going to get into this descent into madness thing with the apocalypse now. It, it felt a little overdone to me, but again, it's probably because I played the, the game so closely together. But it, it was an interesting experience. Uh, Spec Ops, it had a really good story. It was slightly spoiled for me um, just because I read a lot of the, the glowing reviews about the story. Uh, before I bought it several, several months ago. Um, but it was pretty good, an interesting tale, to say the least. Uh, but the game that I'm really uh, digging and I've really gotten behind is uh, I started The Witcher 2 Assassin of Kings. And, you know, full disclosure, I love RPGs. Uh, I, I, they're kind of my favorite, favorite style of video game. 
and uh, I played through The Witcher 2 on normal, beat it uh, a couple of days ago, and I've started immediately playing it through and playing it on the hardest difficulty, uh, just because the gameplay is so fun. It's a really great world. Uh, the one thing I think that's, that game needs, though, and I I'm going to steal a page from Bioware, because when Bioware released Mass Effect 2 for the PS3, they had some sort of like an interactive story feature so they could fill you in on the universe and help you kind of make some decisions so you'd have a more robust experience. The Witcher 2 needed that so badly because while I, I got the story a little bit and I understood the characters, there is so much lore and backstory that I feel had to have been established in the first Witcher that I was completely lost out on. So if there was some way they could have integrated that in to make it a uh, the story a little more uh, connected uh, it would have been fantastic, but really, the, the game was amazing. It had really good uh, combat systems and great leveling, and uh, it had a very good story. I just wish I could have really understood it a little bit better. What was the, the first Witcher available on? Just PC. It okay. was a PC-only title. It was kind of like one of those... It, I think they mentioned it in the same breath as like the original Crisis, where you needed to have a super beefy computer to really run it well. And um, The Witcher 2 was kind of the same way, and they... They took some of the horsepower out of their engine to bring it down for the 360, um, but it, it's it, it doesn't look as fantastic as some of the videos for the PC version. But I wouldn't shake a stick at it. It, it looked perfectly decent to play, and I really enjoyed it. So if you like action RPGs, uh, I, I would definitely pick that up, especially because uh, The Witcher 3 is coming to Xbox One, and that's a game. Once I get my Xbox One, I will definitely be picking that up because the the gameplay mechanics of the story were just really, really good. And there's there's a lot of boobies. Ooh, suddenly I'm interested. I've not been interested yeah, until I... this entire, this whole bit of stuff you just said. <laughs> hey. It's an RPG, <laughs> and now there's boobies. And it's, it, it's, I mean, it's slightly gratuitous, but Ooh, there's, you know, like if you watch late night premium cable, it's pretty much the, the scenes, what you would expect from a late night premium cable show for adults. So... Nice. Ask your parents' permission before buying that game, kids. Um, so people who've been listening so far have just sort of listened with a glaze, and now all of a sudden, full attention. People are Jay mentioned boobies! I must have this game! Witcher 2, the pre-orders for Witcher 3 just shot through the roof. Good job, Jay. Good yeah. job. Hey, I'm doing what I can for uh, CD Projekt Red. Those guys work hard for their money. Um, so let's go ahead and uh, shift into the news. Um, typically... Summertime is kind of a slow news season. Uh, after E3, you know, everyone's kind of throwing out their games. You know, we have release windows for the new consoles. You kind of know which games are coming. And now we have this lull until, you know, fall starts releasing games and, and things like that. But we did have uh, one really huge bit of news that happened uh, in the, I think it was less than a week after E3, where Microsoft basically backtracked on their DRM and always online stance. Basically, they said... We're going to have everything the way you've had it with the Xbox 360. Uh, an interconnection, internet connection will not be required to play offline Xbox One games. Um, you'll need to set it up, do a one-time system setup with an Xbox One, so you will need internet for, you know, how long, however long it takes to set it up. But then the big thing that I think most gamers were happy about is um, the disc restrictions, that they'll be able to trade in, lend, resell, gift, and rent disc-based games just like you do today. So... Microsoft basically are taking all of their existing policies and rolling them forward into the Xbox One. Um, a lot of gamers obviously are really happy about that because they don't have to you know, change the way they're doing anything or adapt uh, to any of that. 
but we're also we're going to be probably losing some features that we really cared about. I know, Michelle, you were really passionate about some of those new features. Why don't you go ahead and jump in here with your thoughts on Microsoft's uh, backtracking? Well, I, just to preface all this, I think what, what we're going to see is five years down the line, everything we heard about with the one coming out now, that's really where we're going to be. I think this was the case of a console that it, people weren't ready for this adjust, adjustment yet. I think we're heading there eventually. Um, I, I was really upset because we lose the cloud sharing feature. Mm, um, me too. That, you, you know, um, the, the point of that being, and, and, you know, a lot of the information wasn't clear about that still. Messaging is still a problem. Even now, a month later, we still don't really have, we, we don't really know. Um, but the understanding was I buy a game, I put it up on my cloud, and up to 10 people I designate as family can reach into the cloud and play that game. Now, there was there was discussion about only one person at a time could play. You could only play it single player. We don't know what all the details were. Um, but just the concept of that, that, you know, I, I could pick, I could designate 10 people and say, hey, I just bought Dead Rising 3, so now all of you can play it. You can't play it all at the same time, but you can jump in and play it. That was that was a cool idea, and that's that's gone. Um, a lot of there was going to be a a digital marketplace where you could uh, buy, sell, and trade uh, digital data that you had rights to. I think uh, there was something like that. So again, we have a bad messaging issue because we don't know all these details. But there are so many really neat things that we don't have anymore. And what I thought was fascinating in light of the backtracking was all the people who supported this finally started to talk. It took until it all went away, until people were like, wait a second, I'm really upset that this is going away. And, and there were quite a number of people who were like, yay, no DRM. Wait, what do you mean I don't get cloud share? You can't have both. Um, so it, it was interesting to watch the public response. I think Microsoft had to do this. It was really just a matter of the sales were that bad. If they made that big a retraction, no doubt that they had to do it. But I think the Xbox One is positioned for when the next generation really hits, when we move more into a digital uh, landscape. I, I think that the one is ready to make that switch when the time is appropriate. The time just wasn't now. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Michelle. And what I think is going to happen, and I think uh, Cliff Blazinski made a really uh, poignant blog post about it a, a couple of days after this all broke down, is that as this generation goes forward, I could see them being the slow march towards the things they wanted. So um, what yeah. I think Microsoft has to do and what publishers have to do is incentivize gamers for switching to digital, either by making the digital versions cheaper on the marketplace or incentivizing them with more free DLC or new goodies, just finding ways to make gamers buy them digitally because that's going to save publishers money. If they can find a way to make that save gamers money, that's great. It's going to keep those copies out of the used market, which again, helps publishers retain a, a little bit of that. So I, instead of making it happen all at once, I think we are going to see a slow progressive shift uh, moving towards kind of the steam model which is what Microsoft really wanted. Um, yeah. But Rich, go, go ahead and jump in here. <clears throat> I was just going to say, actually, it's actually a fallacy that um, it's cheaper to um, go digital for the publishers. There's a, there's a concept that, every, well, it seems an intuitive concept that if they don't have to print uh, manuals and uh, discs and get the distribution of the actual um, DVD cases, the game cases to the shops, in theory, cheaper to do it all digitally. But actually, the costs are so uh, minimal for doing that compared to the cost of the bandwidth and the server infrastructure and the network infrastructure that's required to, to distribute digitally, actually more expensive for them to do that. So um, that is a little bit of a fallacy. Okay. Well, I, I kind of think one of the things that a, a digital structure does is it gives the publisher more control over pricing. So rather than having to wait for retailers to drop pricing on something, the publisher can directly you know, put things on sale, kind of like 
Steam sales are happening right now. So, you know, they can actually take a look at how a game is positioned in the market, how it's selling, and make really agile adjustments on price to make sure it sells copies. So, yeah, I it, th I did not know that, that it was a pretty comparable, you know, monetary exchange. But I also kind of think a lot of that, uh, a lot of the back-end digital stuff is going to start to get a little cheaper as more people start to use it, whereas shipping costs for tangible marketplace items keep going up. Retailer costs keep going up. It's I, I, While it's true now, I I, I would feel in a quasi-educated view that going to a fully digital distribution system would be, uh, a, in the end and as we go forward, a little better business model for most publishers. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they would end up piggybacking Microsoft's network stuff anyway, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that they might have to pay mm. for that privilege at some point. Oh, definitely, definitely. The one thing that kind of stuck in my craw is within like hours of Microsoft making this announcement, um, a spokesperson for GameStop, and you know they also run the game business in uh, the UK, was quoted as saying, GameStop welcomes today's announcement from Microsoft about changes in functionality for its next generation console, the Xbox One. This is great news for gamers, and we applaud Microsoft for understanding consumers and the importance of the pre-owned market. To me, that is, thank you for continuing to give us money. Uh, it really just... It sounded so, yes, consumers do use the used game market, and there are a lot of consumers who, you know, sell their games back and then go and buy a new game, and that, that does help. But it also, if used games went away, GameStop would disappear. <laughs> like, you would not have a game, seven GameStops in every town because it, it, it continues to drive me nuts when the bulk of GameStop's business is used games, which the profits for those go to GameStop and not to the people who actually make and publish the game. And I continue to say, you know, when publishers and developers aren't seeing all of the sales benefits for their game, that's why we see studios closing. That's why games that only sell three to four million copies are seen as failures because this market is taking a big chunk out of that business, which a lot of people, a lot of people said that this was about consumer rights and how dare you restrict what I want to do with my games and, I keep saying if we keep, you know, allowing these consumer rights issues, we're going to get to a place where we only have five or six games a year because, and they're going to be Madden, they're going to be Call of Duty, and they're going to be Halo and Battlefield. That's all you're going to have because those are the ones that sell all the time. And they're only going to cost more to produce now as well. Yeah. With the next gen, it's going to cost even more. So, well, and there was, it will be interesting. There's also the argument that. Gamers, uh, I think Cliffy B mentioned this in his post. There's an EIGAF saying, We didn't ask for all these better graphics. We didn't ask for these huge teams. And I'm like, But then you complain if a game looks like crap. Okay, yeah. hold, take a second, if you haven't already, and look at the comments for the Rambo article. If you think people don't care about graphics, the, the video looks not so good. <laughs> and everyone's making a point of that. So obviously, as matters, no, you're not asking for it, but your expectations have changed. Yeah. Um, and if somebody puts out something, you can do an artsy game. Like Fez doesn't have, you know, obviously high-end 3D rendering, but the game looks really good for what it is. So you can do some stuff artistically. But if you're playing a modern war shooter, you want it to look on par with other, other modern war shooters. You're not going to accept it if it looks less, even if the gameplay is great. We're, we're just accustomed to that now, unfortunately. Yeah, and with, you know, if you want a game to look great, it takes a big team. Big team costs money. That money has to come from somewhere. It's, you know, follow the yellow brick road. Follow the money. 
Right. Um, if, and if you want to only purchase used, that's great. Good for you. But when that studio you love closes down, uh, you, you, you can't get upset at them for doing that. They can't afford these costs. I think of a game like Blur, which really hit sort of a second life. It, it did not sell well at all when it initially released. But most people who played it loved it. That studio is gone now because most of the sales for the game wound up coming from people who bought it later on used. Um, this happens all the time. And these studios collapse. And, and then we get these monster studios who only do the CODs and things like that because they're the only ones who can afford to. And that's where we're headed if we continue with the current economy we have. Yeah. All right. Well, it's uh, that's definitely something we, should, we can and continue to talk about. But uh, the one thing that I thought was really interesting is a lot of people have been pretty down on the Xbox One for either because of its all digital thing or because they backtracked on all this good stuff we wanted, but it's still selling well. Um, GameStop has already hit their pre-order allocation ceiling. Best Buy has already hit their pre-order allocation ceiling. Amazon is sold out of the day one edition of the Xbox One. Um, there have been hot threads. I'm like, where can I still buy the day one edition of Xbox One? I know Major Nelson put out a tweet the other day saying you can still get it at these following retailers in these following ways. Uh, so obviously it's selling. It's, you know, I don't, I, I know a lot of people are quick to jump to doom and gloom, but gamers and people are pre-ordering the Xbox One. So uh, I know both of you have pre-ordered. I, I have not yet. I'm going to hold off for a little bit, um, mainly because I just bought a brand new 360. Uh, so what are your thoughts? Do either of you two have thoughts on, you know, pre-orders seem to be going relatively well. I, I, I haven't seen metrics, but kind of the general um, general feeling is they're pretty neck and neck with the PS4 right now. Well, and I'm sure that figure is based on what they feel is the the line they need to make this a profitable and successful launch. They didn't, I, I would hope they didn't say, well, if we sell five Xbox ones, we're going to call that an allocation ceiling. So everyone thinks we're doing great. Um, you know, that, that this is obviously a number that, that makes it so that all this was worth it. And uh, in, in my thinking at this point, if they both hit their allocation ceilings, if the PS4 and the Xbox one did, they're both healthy. They're both going to launch into good markets. It's all good. So then, then we can just watch how the adoption is once they're out. It can become about the games and, and the services, if that's what matters to oh, you. Wouldn't it be nice to talk about the games? Yes. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> and that's what I'm really hoping is November whatever will arrive, and people will go and have their midnight launch parties and be really excited, and they'll get home and they'll play the games and talk about this is this awesome thing that the One does, and this is something the One needs to fix or whatever. We can actually see the console and experience the console and see, you know what, it's all okay. This is supposed to be about the games, and the games are good, I hope. So um, I, I think it's exciting these these ceilings have been hit because it means that we're going to see a healthy launch, and that's really, really important to make sure that we can keep going forward and getting good product. And, yeah, and I think it really goes to say, in terms of video game business, you want both of these consoles to have a good, healthy launch because competition creates better consumer environments. So right. totally. really, right. you don't want the Xbox One to sell nothing and PS4 to sell everything or the Xbox One to sell everything and PS4 to sell nothing because you want both consoles to be competitive because that's going to create the best situation for gamers. Right. Exactly. Does anyone remember the Wii U? Like, we want that to do okay, too, right? <laughs> or is that so can, far out I of line now that it's just its own thing? Um, my, in a nutshell, my feeling is Nintendo needs to become Sega. They need to focus on making their... The IPs that all of us grew up with, knew and loved, for consoles that people are willing to buy, and stick to their handheld market because that's where they're making their bread and butter. But 
that's a conversation we can have for another day when we have less to talk about if that other comes. Well, right now, our, our a lot of our purchasing actually has gone into, I think for a lot of people on the site, to Games on Demand, right? Yep. We yeah. just had all these awesome sales going on. Yes, <laughs> Michelle with the perfect segue. That's why we pay you the big bucks. Um, so, um, uh, wait, what? Yeah. Wait, hold on, go back? Yeah, we pay you the big <laughs> bucks, right? Oh. Um, Rich just gave you a 300% raise. <laughs> yes. Yeah, infinite actually. Um, so yeah, we had the uh, signed on that contract. <laughs> we had the ultimate games on demand sale, which lasted like a week, and each day there was uh, a full game, deep deep discount for digital purchase. Um, so did you guys buy anything? I, I know I personally picked up Prey because that's a game I'd had my eye on for a while, and I had trouble finding it at retail that wasn't used. So I was more than happy to plop down some cash to buy Prey digitally. It was cheap as well. Wasn't it was it? real cheap. I think it was like five dollars. Like three dollars yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Or maybe yeah. it was three. I don't remember, but it was so cheap that I'm like, I can't not buy that. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because do you remember? <laughs> of course you remember that all the chat about the um, moving to the Steam model. Well, why would Microsoft ever do sales like Steam do? And then we're getting games, full games coming out for three bucks. Yeah. A couple of weeks later. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's a good sign. Well, what I was impressed with the sale, my, my one pickup was Borderlands 2. I mean, this is a game that's not even a year old. I think it came out last September, so close. Um, but, I mean, it was five, or $10, and I guess if you're willing to be Hungarian, or if you are Hungarian, you're able to get it for 5 Um <laughs> I mean, that's that's amazing. 10 bucks that, that's yeah. nothing. And, and and my shelves are already so full with games and all that. In some way, it's nice to have the digital um, version, because I really have no place else for them to go. Because um, <laughs> as we've talked about before, I don't really sell back anything thing uh so yeah for ten dollars that was that was a no-brainer pickup i'm going to spend a lot more three or four times as much on dlc as i spent buying the game itself yeah uh, so that's that's so, interesting isn't it that's a clever little business and, and i think that's really interesting because the the same week uh of this games on demand sale i was out shopping for uh, my best friend's birthday and i picked up a, co- a retail copy of borderlands 2 for like on sale for 30 bucks and i'm like yes this is awesome it's cheaper i can go buy him other stuff now then the next day it's like 10 bucks digitally and i'm like uh, I mean, that- well, I think a, a day or two later, um, Best Buy did a deal of the day where Borderlands 2 was 10 or 15 bucks. So it was interesting to see how the games on demand sale actually kind of forced the hand of, and that was a day sale. So it wasn't, and just like the one that was on, uh, on games on demand. And we'll see this back and forth as we move to a more digital environment where the, you'll see a digital cut and then the, the retail version will be cut similarly. Um, but yeah, so the, it, it did kind of motivate that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, that sale was fantastic. I, and there was like the full week one, right? I think Prey was part of the full week. And um, I don't think any of us got it, but games like um, Bioshock, I think, was 20 or 30. Tomb Raider was 20. Uh, these are games that really haven't been available at that price point yet. And uh, Microsoft has a history of this. We saw the 12 Days of Christmas sale last year where we got some season passes that were discounted. We've seen other games on demand sale. And uh, like Rich just said, we're, we're moving into an environment where we're going to see more of these digital sales. And that's where the one was going. So back to that, I think we're getting there. Uh, we just weren't ready for it yet. But people definitely took advantage of this one. Yeah. Rich, did you pick anything up? Yeah, I picked up Dragon, Dragon Age Origins. And um, I think I bought XCOM as well. You I think? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't actually remember. I may have had a beer. Or, but, um, but no, it was uh, it was frightening to turn on the Xbox because the next thing you knew, you, your credit card was out, and um, <laughs> there was there were games appearing on your account. I mean, Dragon Age Origins—that's an RPG, isn't it? Yeah, I'm kind of curious <laughs> about I'm you never, buying that. Never going to play that. Yeah, that that's, 
that's an RPG that's very tactical. Like I really enjoyed it, but it was it, it was a very tactical RPG. So I'm curious to see exactly how and when you play that and what you think, Rich. You're pro- I, I was gonna say, knowing you as I know you might not particularly love it, but it's a great game. <laughs> oh well, it was cheap. Well, that's that's how my backlog got to be so bad a couple of years ago. It's just like, oh, it's four bucks. Uh, sure, throw it in the cart. Um, so yeah. These are really dangerous, and uh, we don't have 500 gig hard drives yet, even on our Xbox 360s. Space becomes a concern. There's all sorts of things going on with it, but can't deny a good sale. Yeah. Um, so other things that some of us can't deny is uh, I think just this past week, Grand Theft Auto V released an official gameplay video, which. It was all created in engine. It's all in-game video. We have it up on the site. It was a very popular story, and really, it was one of these kind of top top view breakdowns of here's Grand Theft Auto V. Here's how it works. This game is huge. You got three protagonists you can switch between. Here's how the heist system works. And I, I haven't played Grand Theft Auto since GTA Three, which I didn't particularly enjoy, but. I might actually have to pick up Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. that looked really cool. I was so excited for this. I was like really, really, really excited when this came up. Um, they trade. I think they teased it the day before or something with a tweet. And um, yeah, I was excited about it for the whole day, and um, it didn't disappoint. It really didn't disappoint. Graphically, whew, it looks a real step up from GTA Four. Um, sort of had to think. Well, this is actually 360. This isn't Xbox One. It, it really did. Some of the vistas, um, the different environments. It was, they showed beaches and rivers and mountains and, and cities, and they all were rendered really, really beautifully. It looks, it looked fantastic. Um, clearly has the Rockstar dry sense of humour running through it. Even in the um, gameplay uh, trailer, there, there was all little, um, little bits that made me smile. Um, we saw the three protagonists for the first time properly. Um, and they all seem to have very different personalities. I think the interesting thing about this game, which is obviously different to any of the others, is that you can switch um, between the characters that you control, uh, which could go either way, I think. It could be a little bit less engrossing if you're jumping between characters, I think, or it could be really cool. For example, the um, the bit they showed in the clip, they had Michael um, breaking through the window of a, a skyscraper and getting into a fight with a guy and then it snapped back to Franklin who was like quite a way away with a sniper rifle and he was watching the events uh, through his scope and he took out the guy in the head um, who Michael was fighting. So that was quite cool and if, uh, depending on how all that is handled will determine whether the game is good or not I think. Um, there's loads of the usual vehicles so you've got boats, planes, choppers and obviously hundreds of different types of cars. And they did make quite a lot of uh, gameplay and control tweaks that they'd made. So GTA 4's driving was notoriously uh, clunky. And also some people didn't like the shooting mechanics in that game. And they claim in the gameplay trailer that um, both of these have been worked on. Um, and they showed other stuff. There was side games like tennis and cycling. Uh, which seems mental that they can get so much into the game like it's, it looked like a whole nother tennis game that was built into the inside of this game and you, you don't have to play it if you don't want to it's, it's just crazy um some of the side games of gta 4 like they had pool and bowling and they were implemented quite poorly so it'd be interesting to see how good these actually are um the proof will be in the pudding but i thought this was the most impressive trailer i've seen in the last few months and, and that includes everything that i saw at e3 now here's a question for you Rich. i want you to uh put on your, your fortune teller hat how many mm-hmm. discs 
do you think yes. Grand Theft Auto Five is going to be? I was thinking that today. Actually, I was wondering that as I watched the the vistas and the mountain the mountains. I mean, God, yeah. it looks enormous. I don't know. It's got to be at least two, hasn't it? I mean, um, uh, what was the game that the Rockstar game that came out two years ago? Uh, uh, L.A. Noir. Yeah, L.A. Noir. So that was three disc, wasn't it? So this looks like it could potentially be that sort of size. Um, but if you could install it, it's not a problem, is it? Right. Now that I actually have a big hard drive, I that The Witcher 2 is two discs, and I, I installed uh, both of them, and it runs so much better than I would have imagined. So, Michelle, you're not a Grand Theft Auto fan. You've been pretty quiet, and I know you said you weren't even going to look because you don't like Grand Theft Auto, but <laughs> take a peek. It looked pretty cool. That's all I'm going to say. Go on. You need to. I must have sold it to you. At least the trailer, anyway. Well, the, look, there, there are two things I want to know. First, you have to understand how excited Rich was, actually, for this. Rich is actually really good with us on the news team. He pretty much just lets us do our thing. Um, he actually stepped into our headlines thread that morning and like, where's the GTA <laughs> Five video? Very politely, but that was definitely the, the sense when he jumped into the thread that morning. So Rich was definitely <laughs> excited, because I don't think I've ever seen him push a video before. Um, yeah, I felt bad after that. <laughs> no, don't, don't, because we needed it up there. And someone was working on it, I think, but in a different... They had posted it elsewhere. Um, here's the reason why I haven't watched the trailer yet. Um, GTA 4 came out actually right while my Xbox was in repair for Red Ring. And I had been reading a lot of news on it and got myself all hyped up. And I bought the game even though I knew I wasn't a GTA fan, but it looked great. And I played it and put about... 10 to 15 hours in it, into it and went, it's still GTA. I'm not doing that to myself again. I, I will get hyped up and I will get into it and I'll spend $60 on a game that I'm, I'm just not going to finish. So uh, for me, it's more a, a, a defensive measure to make sure I don't do spending I don't need to do. And, and at some point when other people have played it, I'll see if I could, I can borrow a disc from somebody and, and give it a try at that point. But I am, I'm just, I'm not a, a GTA person. It's no knock on it. Um, most Rockstar games just don't really do it for me. I loved Red Dead Redemption, but beyond that, I, you know, the Rockstar games are great, and I see why they're great. They're just not my thing, just like you with RPGs. So, um, yeah, it's just better for me to avoid it, I think. Yeah, Red Dead Redemption was the game that brought me back to playing Rockstar games, because I, oh my gosh, I loved Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, brilliant. I, I really enjoyed L.A. Noir too, and that was very different from most Rockstar games. I was actually developed by Team right. Bondi, published by Rockstar, but it was really good too. So, yeah. Um, well, let's move on to our next story, which uh, came across my desk. I was playing around, and I saw this come across Twitter, and we managed to get it up on the site pretty quickly. And this is, I, th I, I like to think this is the reason why we have sites like ours, because if our community did not bombard this competition, I, I will feel let down. But Lionhead, um, they're making Fable Anniversary, which is their HD remake of the original Fable, which also includes Fable, The Lost Chapters, which in an age before DLC is pretty much what DLC was. It was a re-release of the game with additional content. But they have a competition to design an achievement for Fable Anniversary. Now, unfortunately, by the time you're listening to this, the competition will be closed, but the voting will be open. So you can vote uh, on the Lionhead Facebook page um, for the achievement you like best. But basically, they invited you to go into their forums, uh, submit an achievement that is no longer than 32 characters long for a title and 100 characters long as a description. Plus, you know, if you wanted to add in what you think the achievement tile should look like, uh, you could do that too. So I actually submitted one. Uh, Michelle, did you submit one? I did not, know, But for the purposes of this discussion, I have a submission, but I, I didn't submit one to the actual... Michelle, what, what's your submission? And then I'll tell you the one I actually entered. 
Um, my, my submission would have been, uh, for a title for every choice of consequence. I, I don't know how familiar people are and I actually wasn't paying attention right when it came out, but I believe that was the catchphrase for it. Um, the point being that the world would respond to you and, um, the way to pop that achievement would be to start the game. You chose to buy it. The consequences now it's on your tag. That's pretty good. Um, I know the original fable is probably one of my absolute favorite original Xbox games. I played that game so many times. In fact, when I actually saw the re-release, uh, including the Lost Chapters, I paid like 30 bucks just to buy it for that more content. I liked it that much. So I actually submitted one. I signed up for their forum, and I submitted one. And what I called it is um, the uh, villain, the big villain in the original Fable was called Jack of Blades. And you have to fight him a couple of times in, in the game. So the achievement I submitted was You Don't Know Jack where you meet Jack of Blades for the final time. And that would be a secret achievement, because there's a little bit of a twist there. And uh, I said the the achievement tile should look like um, like an unmasked Jack of Blades with a question mark over his face, um, because I think that would be really cool. So I'm hoping I get picked. That would be really, that would be really nice. Um, so, Rich, um, you never played the original Fable, did we get that right? No, I haven't played any Fable games apart from I played the first five minutes of Fable 3 as part of my bean dive uh, last week. So that's all I've played of any Fable game. What, what I would say, so that seemed okay. What I would suggest, Rich, is um, don't jump into Fable 3 just yet. What I would say is wait until the Fable anniversary comes out and check it out. Because I know you say you don't like RPGs, but Fable, it, it, it does have RPG qualities, but it's very much um, in kind of a hack-and-slash mentality. So mm-hmm. you can just run up to groups of enemies and start hacking away at them using magic and archery and swords. And it's very much an action-oriented title. So okay. definitely... That sounds like it could, could be for me. And it was very fun, and it had good humor to it. Um, I, I say I still say I loved Fable 2. I thought it was really great. But it didn't quite scratch the original Fable itch. Um, so When is the anniversary coming out? It is coming out. Let me look this up here real quick. Uh, I don't think it has an actual release date. It's quote-unquote late 2013, so probably around holiday, I would imagine. Mm, I'm going to be Xbox one up to the max then. Uh... <laughs> it could come out in September. I, I don't know. I found, um, obviously, I don't have the, the same adoration for Fable 1 that you do, Jay. I enjoyed it quite a bit, but I, you know, I played it once, and this was you know in between breaks from college or something. I really don't remember it that well. I just remember playing Fable 2 and thinking, huh. It's Fable 1. Like, it just seemed very similar. A lot of the twists and, uh, like, uh, just the feel of it. Like, I thought the two games were... Like, I feel like if you played Fable 2 without playing 1, you wouldn't necessarily miss too much. um, And you'd actually get a really good feel for Fable 1. So if you didn't have access to it, Rich, and you had access to Fable 2, that's also something you could consider doing to get a sense of Fable. Yeah, my my favorite thing uh, about Fable is that it came out in a time before I really followed video games heavily. And uh, me and my best friend, who I bought Borderlands 2 for, ironically, and his wife at the time, we went to a mall one day and we're like, okay, let's just have a day where you can only spend $20. You have a $20 spending limit at the mall, so let's just go see what we can buy for 20 bucks. And I was in like uh, a Sam Goody style store that sells like music and movies and a little bit of everything. And I saw Fable there, the original Fable, and I'd never heard of it. And my buddy's like, oh, you should totally get that game. I heard it's really good. So I bought it, and uh, it was like the greatest, most pleasant surprise ever for me. So I, I really enjoyed it. It's my favorite favorite story about how I picked up a video game. But other games uh, that you might be interested in picking up soon, uh, we got the Summer of Arcade coming. And uh, 
They recently released release dates and prices for all of our Summer of Arcade titles. So those are going to be um, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons is being released on August 7th, and that's going to cost you 1,200 Microsoft points. Charlie Murder is coming on August 14th, and that's going to cost you 800 Microsoft points. Flashback HD is coming on August 21st. That'll cost you 800 points. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows will be coming the day before my birthday, August 28th, and it will cost you 1,200 Microsoft points. Um, Michelle, uh, what are your thoughts on Summer of Arcade? Uh, are you interested in any of these games? How many are you going to be picking up? I think this is kind of a weak lineup, actually. I feel like in all the previous years, there's been at least one real cornerstone title that you went, wow, you know, this is this is the thing to buy. Um, I don't really feel that way. Um, but on the flip side, three of these four titles are titles I would typically be interested in, just kind of not as part of this promotion, uh, which probably doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, Brothers looks interesting. Uh, I sort of get like an eco or shadow of... Uh, more, more eco vibe from it that you have someone else that you're kind of guiding and, and helping and going through things. I played flashback back in the day. So of course, you know, I'd love to see what they did with it. And uh, TMNT also a big part of the childhood. And I, I do have the TMNT games on my tag, the arcade ones that have come out, um, but 1200 Microsoft points. It's a lot for a TMNT game. It feels like, like uh, not to say that this isn't worth it, but the other ones have been ports of old arcades. So they were uh, less expensive than that. So the price point's kind of uh, uh, the sticky issue. So you have solid games coming out in this, but I don't really think they do much within the promotion. I, I don't think there's that one big title that makes you go, wow, this is something I'm really looking forward to in the promotion this year. So Michelle, I saw the screenshots from Flashback HD and I've never played the original. What, what sort of game was it? Um, it was, it, if I recall correctly, it, it advertised itself as a CD-ROM in a cart. It was a, um, a Genesis title. Right. I think it may have come out on the Super Nintendo as well, but I played it on the Genesis. It was very much like Prince of Persia. Oh, okay. It was a lot of, like, you'd kind of walk to an edge, obviously original Prince of Persia, and, and jump very carefully. There's item collection um, and, and that kind of deal. Um, you know, that, I, I don't remember... That doesn't massively appeal then. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I liked it back in the time. It may have just been as much for the hook, because that was right when the Sega CD came out, so that was a big part of the marketing for the game. Um, so it may have just been that sense, like, wow, this this looks pretty good. And if you look at it now, you're going to feel foolish that you thought it looked good, but it did at the time. And um, so just, just seeing what they do with it, and I think that actually may ruin part of its appeal. There There is something about those classic games and the look and the feel of them that when they go to an HD version and make it 3D and change that, that sometimes gets lost in translation. I'll demo it. I'll try it out and, and see what I think about it. But um, definitely not a day one purchase. I watched the trailer for Brothers and I thought that looked interesting, actually. It reminded me a bit of Bastion in its um, sort of top-down, um, quite small sprites sort of uh, adventure game. It, it looked quite cool. But I think with all four of these, I'm going to try the demo and then... Um, and then see. Yeah, I I am very underwhelmed by by the lineup. Actually, I think this is probably the weakest summer of arcade I've seen because literally nothing looks interesting to me. I I feel like in the past we've had, and I could be wrong, but I think uh, games like Shadow Complex were summer of arcade titles, uh, and I'm like Shadow Complex is still one of my absolute favorite you know, uh, arcade titles, but nothing here really looks good. I, I don't know if we're getting to a point where uh, we're kind of coming on the downside of the arcade title with the Xbox One coming out and everything's going to be the same. If there's just shifting away from putting a lot of, you know, putting a lot of oomph behind the Summer of Arcade, but I'm just, I'm very meh 
I, I just don't really care about any of these. Yeah, but to, to be fair, I think I've been meh, apart from Trials, because I played the previous one, um, I've been pretty meh before the event every year. And then it's after the event when, when all these little gems that no one really knew what to expect come out. And then they're like, oh yeah, Limbo is amazing. But if you, if you looked at it before Summer of Arcade came out and you just had some screenshots, you'd think, well, that could be okay. Um, so I don't know. I think we'll know more once they're out. Yeah, that's kind of the definitely the primer. So be sure you keep focused on the front page. Uh, obviously, as we get closer to the release dates of all these titles, we'll probably be seeing more trailers and screenshots. And uh, if we're lucky, we might be able to get early review copy and get a review up uh, quickly so you can make an informed decision on whether or not you decide to purchase. Um, speaking of things you might want to purchase, uh, Halo 4 is going to be getting some new DLC. It was announced, uh, I believe, last week. Um, that there's going to be a bundle called the Champions Bundle, um, which is the fourth major expansion, and that Champions Bundle is going to have actually three DLC packs and bonus content. Um, so those DLC packs are, if you buy them, uh, if you buy them individually, they have different price points. But if you buy the entire bundle, it's going to be 800 Microsoft points. And this Champions Bundle includes the Bullseye Pack, which has two new multiplayer maps. Um, a sport-themed Spartan Armor, and a new competitive grav ball game type called Ricochet. Uh, it's also going to include the Infinity Armor Pack, which is, you know, armor and skins, and the Steel Skin Pack, which is being quoted as steampunk style to your weapons. So a lot of it's cosmetic, but it does have a couple of new gameplay max, maps. Um, the Bullseye Pack, which does include this map, so if you buy that individually, it's going to be 400 points. And then the uh, skin packs are 240 points, respectively. Uh, so th it's nice that 343 uh, is supporting this a little bit more um, with more multiplayer stuff. Uh, Certain Affinity is doing a lot of the development work on it as well. Uh, but it's, again, we're go getting into this age where when you have a big release, you want people to hang on to it longer. So in perpetuity, they're going to be releasing more and more DLC to keep people playing it so they never return it so it stays off the used market. And I know, Michelle, you have thoughts on this in terms of how it's going to affect other games of similar scope. Well, we, um, it, it hasn't, nothing's really been confirmed yet, but um, I believe Gearbox has stated, or, or Randy Pitchford has stated, that uh, Borderlands 2 will be receiving more DLC. Uh, you know, they recently had a big expansion with uh, Tiny Tina, and, um, you know, so they're already saying we have all these major campaign ex expansions, and there's more coming. In fact, a rumor has also surfaced that there's going to be a second season pass. And if you think about what this new Halo 4 DLC is, it's really a mini season pass. You're paying 800 points to get three pieces that would be part of the bundle. Um, and I think, uh, obviously, these plans were in motion beforehand this the, you know you can't develop and put out this dlc overnight but th we're going to see more of this with the you know in the wake of the death of the xbox one's policies and all that we're going to see more games with very expanded dlc libraries because all that money goes right to the publisher um so uh, this is just the beginning of a trend of seeing and and in some ways it's nice because you're going to want to hold on to that game for a year and a year and a half it's not like oh you finished it and now you're done with it you, mm. there's no reason to go back so there is a positive to it but you're gonna have to keep paying in so there's actually a double win for the publishers here isn't it because they get they get money for the dlc but they also get you to keep the copy and not trade absolutely it mm -hmm. yeah what's really interesting for me uh, i know in terms of like borderlands 2 is i put a lot of time into just the base game i got all the achievements 
And by that point, I was like, I'm kind of done with it. Uh, so I didn't, I haven't downloaded any of the DLC packs, but I have a feeling that's going to be one of those games where I'm going to get to a point where I pick it up again. Uh, I know, like I said, I just bought it for one of my best friends, so we may start playing it again and uh, maybe just roll through all the DLC. And if they're going to continue support with DLC, if they have like a big expansion, like a big, you know, chunky expansion, that's a game that I would definitely jump back into. Right. And it's better for the publisher, right? They go and they release DLC and say, okay, here's this new $10 DLC. And that, you know, people come through and buy it as opposed to now you sold it back and we're not seeing anything and someone else bought it for 10 bucks, but they're not going to continue to buy in. Um, so yeah, we're going to just, we're going to see a lot more of this. DLC is definitely the way of things right now. We're going to see more games kind of announcing DLC a, a year after release and, you know, seven or eight content packs. It's, it's just how it's going to go. So, and that's, that's just the nature of things now. And if it extends a game that you love, that's wonderful. And you're never obligated to buy DLC. So you have that too. Yep. Rich, any thoughts on uh, DLC expansions for either Halo, Borderlands, or just the, the general trend in the industry here? I don't often buy DLC, to be honest. It has to be a game that I really, really, absolutely love. Um, so I haven't played any of the existing Halo 4 DLC, so I'm, I'm not sure. I've got too much content already without buying a ton more. Right. Yeah, I, I know uh, kind of in that same vein a game that I want to go back to is I need to go back to Mass Effect 3 and play through all of the DLC. So I, I'm kind of waiting on all that DLC to go on sale, and then I'm just going to do another big run through Mass Effect 3 to, to do all the DLC and have yeah, the see, I've got, uh, no, no, you're tempting me yeah. on that. I would like to go go back into that world. I tell you, that was a great world. Um, so uh, another thing, you know, back at E3, Microsoft announced games with gold, um, how we'd be getting some free games uh, just for just being gold subscribers. And there was kind of an expectation, um, rightly or wrongly, and again, it kind of comes back to messaging and how the media covered this messaging. Um, at E3, they announced that uh, games of Gold would be getting Assassin's Creed 2 and Halo 3. So a lot of games were kind of surprised when July 1st rolled around and the free game with Gold was Defense Grid The Awakening, which is an arcade title. And then Microsoft had to do some fancy PR footwork and put out a couple of flyers and say, well, here's the thing, Assassin's Creed 2, it's coming. It's going to be the one available on the 16th. So by the time you're listening to this, if you're a Gold subscriber, um, you'll probably be able to download Assassin's Creed 2 for free. Um, but again, this was another thing where Microsoft's messaging, if it wasn't their messaging, then it was how that messaging was received and relayed by the games press. But Michelle, I know you had some, some thoughts on, on Microsoft doing the games with gold, uh, policies and how might've been a switch or just bad messaging. I guess I'm always more on the devil's advocate end of these discussions. Uh, I don't, I, I honestly cannot say for sure because I don't know. And this is, just totally example of bad messaging, right? But I really don't know what they said exactly. Um, but I feel like people heard Halo and they heard Assassin's Creed and they just automatically slotted that into spots two and three. Um, I don't know if Microsoft ever said those were the next games in the program or these will be games as part of the program and people just assumed they would be the next ones. It seems like they're settling in based on two whole releases to a sense of the first of the month will be an arcade release and the, the 16th will be um, a retail release. I think that makes sense. It lets them go through both. Um, so we'll probably, we'll see the rest in the future. And right now, obviously they're settling on older games. We've heard a lot um, in terms of comparisons with PSN plus and what this offers. I guess the big difference is that you keep this game. If your gold expires, it doesn't go away. Unlike PSN plus where you, where that expires, you lose the game. It's basically a loner. 
Um, I mean, it's a good promotion. You're still getting something for free. The other things they promised for free will be available for free unless you're canceling your Xbox Live Gold tomorrow for some reason. So I don't really see why people were so up in arms. That Most people own Assassin's Creed 2 um, and Halo 3. I mean, they're amongst the most tracked games on the site. And uh, I'm sure that can that be reflective of the entirety of the Xbox population. So, so just this this massive firestorm about it really struck me more as people were already angry with Microsoft. So they just picked up the angry with Microsoft baton and kept running. Um, I, I, they, they didn't really do anything wrong here. You're still getting those games for free. If defense grid came out and they went, Oh, you know, there was a licensing issue. So we can't offer Assassin's Creed two. We're really sorry about that. Fine. Be angry, but it's still coming out. Halo three will still come out. And we're going to get some nice surprises along the way. And the other thing is it's free. Like, when did free become such a problem? People are, are like, Defense Grid is still available for free, and from everything I've read, it is a really solid tower defense game. I may never play it, but I downloaded it anyway. It's free. So I download the game. It yet. Is well, it, um, you better get on there, yeah, Rich. It's only going to be available so that's for going to be my days. question, actually. They only, so there only uh, be one game at any one time that's available for download. Correct. Yes, and, and okay. the program is promised through there, December. Then. So it's it's not a it's not a perpetual thing at the moment. Um, right now, they've said it will run through December. Um, so we'll see uh, how much further they go with this. Right now, again, so we have August, September, October, November, December, five more months with two periods each. So we have ten other games, and we know Halo Three is one of them. So that's nine games that we don't know what they're going to offer, and we don't know when they're going to offer. Um, so I think it's exciting. I think it's a nice program. If nothing else, you're going to be able to fill out your library a little bit. Um, I, I just I think again, people were already angry with Microsoft, and this was just another thing to go get angry about. In the end, you're still getting what what they promised. That's not going away. So I, I didn't get what the the big to do was personally. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I think it was just an expectation and being let down on an expectation. But if you really took a step back and thought about it, like I, I agree with you. I already own both Assassin's Creed 2 and Halo 3. So when I saw, oh, it's a game I don't have that I'm getting for free, how is that a negative? Even if it's a game you may not want, it's free. You can download it, if, play it for a few minutes. If you don't like it, delete it. You've lost nothing. I just, I didn't, I didn't quite get... A lot of the rage, aside from if you really wanted to play Assassin's Creed 2 for free starting on July 1st, like you were waiting for it and then it didn't come. I mean, I could understand a little bit of being upset there because nobody wants to wait for anything. Right. Right. But it's it's still coming. So just be patient. Like like Jay said, by the time you hear this podcast, Assassin's Creed 2 will be available. Uh, they have not yet announced the August games, and I don't know if that's going to be their plan to announce the next game when the when the new one goes up. I think that this was just a response to the negative reaction to one of the two games not being available. So I don't think Major Nelson will post on the 18th what the game for August 1st is. Um, we may have to wait, but we'll post that, obviously, as soon as we know. Um, and we'll see, again, if they go with an arcade retail kind of structure, if that was just the way they planned it for this month. Right. The other thing that kind of is, is coming out is Xbox Live Rewards is changing. Um, I know I, I would get a statement every month. I didn't really do much with Xbox Live Rewards. But with Microsoft switching away from Microsoft points and working moving over towards using local currencies, they're going to change Xbox Live Rewards a little bit. Uh, Michelle, I know you were a little more active uh, in checking out Xbox Live Rewards than, than I was. Um, right. We, we want to kind of take this around with it a little bit? Well, here's what... What we know at this point is uh, at some point in the near future, I believe they gave a date, but I don't know it off the top of my head. Um, they will be depositing whatever points you have 
left uh, into your uh, Xbox, uh, your Microsoft Points account. Normally you have to have at least 100 and then it'll deposit on the 15th of the month. This time if you have 40 points, if you got your 20 birthday points, it'll deposit into your account, whatever it is. So they're effectively, it sounds like, closing out the program as it exists now um, so that they can reinvent it with not using Microsoft points as the currency. Um, I don't think there was a survey up this month for Xbox Live Rewards. Typically, there's one up every month. I don't believe there was one. Um, and this this actually speaks uh, more to the Microsoft points to money conversion that's coming. Um, I'm not in the beta, and even if I was, I shouldn't be talking about it. But that's that's what we know about it is it's really addressing this this money conversion that's coming up. So Xbox Live Rewards is preparing for that. Uh, so, again, you'll see those points get deposited, and then we'll know in the near future what changes will uh, be coming up as a result of the change to local currency as opposed to Microsoft points. Um, also, a couple things on that topic, too. Um, make sure to do your reading. Microsoft points uh, won't work forever. I believe if you have a points card, it's good for a year after the conversion happens um, and any points you have after a certain date, I believe in September are going to be converted to your local currency. So be aware if you have points cards sitting around, I know there was recently a glitch or something on the Microsoft store and people stocked up on tons of Microsoft points. Um, not that we have any problems spending them, but be aware that there, there is a limit to when you can put in the codes because that all will be going away eventually. Cool. Well, the big thing that kind of happens every summer here at TA is we have a special event called the bean dive. Um, now the whole focus of the bean dive is you take all the games in your backlog that you haven't started and you start them, you pop one achievement, then you move on to the next one. So basically you get every game you own on your gamer card and the dive aspect is it's going to dive your completion percentage way, way down, depending on how many games you start. Uh, so in the past, some gamers have done just two, three, five games. Some gamers have done 40 games. So, uh, we just had the bean dive a couple of weeks ago, uh, Rich, how many games did you dive, and how did that affect your uh, percentage? Uh, I didn't have as many as I had last year to start, but I um, I dived 17 uh, games in total, and my completion percentage dropped 1.36%, uh, which is reasonable. <laughs> and, um, I'm already on the road to recovery, so I've got back 0.2% um, of my lost 1.3%. So I'm... I'm on my way to recovery, and um, I don't know whether the guys that were involved in the dive this year, we had a whole new um, bean dive functionality pages on the site um, where it shows graphs of your, your dive or the games you dived um, and how close you are to, to getting back to your original achievement percentage. Um, and it was a very popular event this year. We had over um, 1,350 people took part, and between them they dived a total of 27,160 games. Um, and earned over a million TA between them, uh, just on the dive. The uh, average achievement percentage drop was 4, 4%. And in order to get everybody back up to where they were beforehand, those uh, 1,400 divers need to get 56,007 achievements <laughs> between them. So yeah, it was cool. There's um, Check out the hub, it's still up on the site. Um, there's some impressive dives on there. Canada Bug dived 321 games. Now, now, Rich, I have a proposal for you to, to put this into next year. Okay. We need to have some sort of a badge Ooh. on the site for the person who dives the most nice. that year. And it should be called the Holy Diver. Oh, I like it. And the it. badge should look like Dio. <laughs> okay. The, the, the singer. I will make that, that, that happen. That needs to happen. I will make that happen. 
One of the real brilliant changes this year for the Bean Dive um, was that all of the dive games went in a single feed post. Um, I'm friends, uh, I'm an idiot, is on my friend's feed, and I think he dived 300-some games. I think he was, yeah, he was the winner. Yeah. You know, winner in quotes, because I don't know how much we win when we have that much in our backlogs. But um, he... I can, my feed would have been absolutely wrecked. I already miss things all the time anyway. So seeing everything in that one neat collapsed post was brilliant. And I was so happy to see that this year. Um, because I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, there was a whole ton of improvements. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This year. So, um, yeah, <clears throat> I think we'll be, well, we'll definitely be doing another one next year. So, um, save up those games. And join us on the dive. <laughs> I'm actually really impressed we had that many. I mean, the average per diver is quite high. Um, that's That says something, right? I guess it's just the nature of the people we attract on TA. Because most people, they just, well, most people, uh, you know, back in the day, I know I'd buy a game. I'd play it till completion or close to completion. And then I'd buy a new game. I wouldn't buy something unless I was done with the last one. Uh, so I'm really impressed that these numbers we, we picked up, like, my dive was, was really small this year. I was one of those 40-game divers last year, um, and I just ran out of stuff. And I know we have a lot of repeat divers who did another dive with 40 or 50. Um, and the only reason I had as many games, you know, five in my dive as I did was because I, um, I was over my buddy L's house. He's a TA or two, and he was being diving. And since I was there and my tag was logged in, I am now the proud owner of Connect Nat Geo and Aragon. Um, <laughs> so I don't think we're friends anymore. Maybe if that's the case from this response, but uh, no, it's so the only reason my dive was that much, it's not like I held on to games and we have repeat divers that dived another 40 or 50 games this year. So yeah. it's, it's really quite impressive. Uh, I'm not sure good or bad. I'm not making a judgment, but it's really impressive that we're able to do <laughs> this year to year and, and can readily assume we'll have another big dive coming up next year. So uh, yeah, last year last year I dove a couple of games, and I I think we actually had company over when I was diving, and I had to explain the whole concept of a bean dive <laughs> to a non gamer, and that was a lot of fun. Um, in quotation marks, fun. Um, but this year I, I think I only had like maybe two or three games in my backlog, and I was kind of, I was very much nah, I'm not going to dive this year. But next year, um, especially if Microsoft keeps doing these digital sales, and as we move into a new console generation, you would think you know there's going to be a lot of deals on Xbox 360 games. So I have a feeling that I'll have a pretty significant 360 dive next year. I should probably mention the reason it's called a bean dive is because it was invented yes. by TAO Bean Potter, uh, one of the moderators. Um, so shout out to him. And he organized it again this year brilliantly with uh, Chad and Jesse. So um, it was a hugely successful event and every year it gets bigger. So yeah, join us next year. Yes. So, uh, and that happens July of every year, correct, Rich? That's correct. Excellent. So if you didn't get a chance to join us this year um, for your Bean Dive, mark it on your calendars, July 2014, Bean Dive, and uh, it'll be a good fun time to watch your completion percentage get completely wrecked. <laughs> um, speaking of getting completely wrecked, it's time for our Achievement Challenge. Now, this month's Achievement Challenge came from Boots Orion, and it was for Michelle. Uh, and I actually have a, a nice little PM from Boots Orion here, uh, where he issues the challenge for Michelle. And he says, and I quote, I've already warned her, but I don't think she believed me. Challenge <laughs> Michelle to get the OMG achievement in Dance Central 3. I'll be totally disappointed if you don't. We need the points in the GTASC. When you announce it on the podcast, please say, 
Happy action cheaters for life. Three exclamation points. <laughs> Cheers. Please and thank you. From Boots. So, Michelle, uh, the, the, the focus is squarely on you. Were you able to pop the OMG indeed achievement in Dan Central 3? Oh, no. No, 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 I wasn't. Yeah. I tried. Aww. Well, let me let me give a little background. Jay was actually really trying to be nice to me and make it so that I wouldn't come on here and embarrass myself by not getting an achievement. And was like, well, Boots suggested this, but there's this achievement in Just Dance 4, I think it was, um, to get through a song with no flashcards. And it's got a decent ratio and all that, but Jay doesn't really play the music games and I or the rhythm games or dancing. Um, and I've played enough of them, and I, I know that that game, that ratio is high because people just don't really play them that way. You know, those are like party games or whatever. So I was like, no, I'll, I'm going to do the whole challenge. You know, let's let's do it. We'll, we'll go with this. Um, I tried, um, and it's very different playing Dance Central on hard than easy. You don't realize how fast these routines move, and you really have to be aware of the changes. Um, if you haven't played them, for the most part on easy, all the moves happen in four or eight um, unit beats. So you'll step side to side for a four count or an eight count, and then you'll step side to side and clap for a four count or an eight count. But I don't think you repeat a, more, a move for more than a two count when you're on expert. It just moves so much faster. Um, that being said, I did try. I three-starred it, which wasn't great. I took it in to break it down. Uh, normally that mode will take, you know, if the song is two minutes long, you'll be in there for five minutes because you're breaking it down. It took me a full hour to get through the wow. entire break it down mode. Cause there are so many moves. Um, so what I got from that is I can pass each move individually. I can take each one and I can pass it, but doing it at the speed that it demands and doing it well and transitioning, just not there yet. So I'm still going to keep trying and I will check back in next month and hopefully we'll have done it then. Um, because I, it's definitely possible, but you don't, you just don't realize how fast you have to move. I have a whole new respect for the folks that are able to do this on the hard difficulty. Cause it really is like, yeah, you have to dance and I'm afflicted with no rhythm disease. So it's difficult <laughs> for me. Um, and I'm trying really hard and you can't fool the connect like you can fool a Wii. So, um, but I'm going to keep at it and I will check back in next month with this. So it was a great challenge and uh, something to still keep working on, but no, for this month, I definitely failed. The just to say it's a 4.1 ratio that's it's a, beefy that's, that's yeah, a it's a beefy one when i yeah. saw that i was like oh that's that's just wrong i i can't i, I i'm not, i'm a nice guy despite what all my ex-girlfriends keep trying to tell people i don't i didn't feel comfortable issuing that to michelle but michelle to her credit was like no bring it on i can do it so um you know what achievements are for achieving right and and if i pop yeah. that one i'll really feel like i achieved something it's not gonna that's be true. like all right you know i sort of fluff through this or whatever like that's really going to matter and those are really where the best ones come from so i'm more than happy to go in and keep working at it so great challenge and sorry i didn't get it this month but um definitely we'll keep working on it and uh since next month our august podcast will be um the fourth podcast fourth quote-unquote regular podcast we've done and i am the only one not to have taken an achievement challenge yet we're going to narrow it down so please i'm inviting all of our listeners everyone on the site to take a look at my card and uh, pick me out a good achievement challenge. Um, I have quite a few games on my list. Most most of my games, I think I'm at like a around a 74% achievement completion percentage across all my games. But I do have some games where there's a handful that I have not gotten yet. So there have been a couple that have come in over the past few weeks for me. But we're always looking for a, a few more good ones. So please send me a good achievement challenge that I can work on for the month of July into August. And uh, we'll see how, how badly I can embarrass myself. 
Um, well, this brings us on to our new segment. We, uh, we opened up the TA mailbag uh, for this month's podcast, so we invited all of you to send questions to the crew. Uh, we actually had a prize to give away to, and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but we had a couple of really good questions that we picked out, and um, we're just going to go through and uh, get some opinions from the panel here on some of these really great questions. So to kick things off, we have a question from Lavinda Thar, who asked, what is everyone's on terms of favorite achievement? Or what is everyone on the team's favorite achievement? I don't mean hardest or easiest. What meant something to you personally for whatever reason? So basically your favorite achievement. So Michelle, ladies first, what was your favorite achievement that you've ever earned? Um, my favorite achievement actually does come down to difficulty. Uh, for me, it was beating Lou on expert in Guitar Hero 3. Um, and that, that actually was an achievement way back in the early days when I joined TA that made me really talk up TA. Because I'm like, look, it's worth so much more over there. You can see how hard it is. It's only five <laughs> gamers for Um But without doubt, that was like when I think about achievements and what what achievements in my head should be, that was it. Because, I mean, after I finished it and I played the last part of the song and the achievement popped, like I I felt like a rock star. Like I'm going to smash my plastic guitar and uh, for this five gamer score, like that's really what it was about. And that that was an awesome moment. So totally hands down beating Lou on expert in Guitar Hero 3. Um, I've chosen two for, for two different reasons. The first one is um, Partners in Crime in Saints Row 2, which is to complete the uh, all campaign missions in co-op, because basically that's the most fun I've had um, in, a co- in any co-op game, playing the whole of that game with my good buddy Hankford. Um, the entire game starts to finish in co-op, and it's such a blast. I highly recommend it to anyone that loves co-op games. Uh, you will have a ball playing Saints Row 2. Um, and that's got a decent score, actually. It's a, got a 2.3 ratio, but it's a 100 uh, game score achievement, so it's worth 238, which was, was healthy. And the other one, again, it's in an open-world game, GTA 4, blowing up 10 vehicles in 10 seconds. Now, this sounds relatively straightforward, but it actually isn't. I, the way I, There's actually 25 guides for this on TA, so you can see there's quite a lot of uh, different variations to do this. The way I did it was by landing a chopper on top of a skyscraper, crawling down the side of the building, um, so I was over the biggest junction, um, traffic junction in the game, and uh, with a rocket launcher, waited for the traffic to build up um, and build up, and then firing down as many rocket launchers as I could into this massive queue of traffic. And eventually, uh, I got 10 cars to blow up in 10 seconds. But it was so much fun just doing it. I think I must have spent just half an hour having such a laugh, just trying to cause as much mayhem as possible. But yeah, that is a perfect achievement. And that is that's the achievement. When people ask me, um, why are achievements cool? It's That is the example I always use, because you would never normally... Although you might play GTA in that way, the fact that it's trying to force you to actually... Um, you know, completely veer off the track of the storyline and just go and have fun is, is why achievements are so cool. Now, I think that's really interesting, Rich, because my favorites, they're almost the exact opposite of yours, which Ooh. is really kind of cool. Um, my favorite, and I, I had two that I couldn't pick between as well, um, and they're from very similar games, which strikes me as, as odd because they're not what I would say they're not my favorite style of games. But my two favorites are the Clean Hands Achievement in Dishonored, which you get for completing the game without killing anyone. And in a game like Dishonored, where it's all about revenge, you don't kill anyone. I thought that was really cool. And then the other one was the Foxiest of Hounds achievement in uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution, where you complete the game without setting off any alarms. 
So to me, it was like taking games where, you know, most, most games are like a power fantasy where you want to be running through and, you know, laying waste to people and using cool powers and wielding awesome guns. Whereas these achievements are like, you have to kind of play them like a real person, which I thought was really kind of neat. Like you don't want to get caught and you don't want to kill anybody. Uh, so I thought that was, those are my two favorite achievements and both of them, um, both of them have base scores of 100, but their ratios, uh, clean hands is 2.54 and foxes to hands is 2.7. So there are also achievements where you have to commit to playing the game, the entire game, in a certain style to get it, which makes it very rewarding once you finally actually got it. So those are my two favorites. Good choices. Awesome. Um, our next question comes from Al Capone 6969. And Al Capone 6969 asks... Which existing series do you expect to make a meaningful reappearance on the one? Some of these may have already had one game announced, but for example, do you think that Gears still has enough steam left to make another trilogy? Will Mass Effect survive without being shepherded? Halo and Call of Duty are probably guaranteed to make it on the next three console generations, so don't feel obligated to dwell on those. Do you do any of the new IPs seem worthy of becoming the next sequel upon sequel series? Uh, so Michelle, what do you think? Uh, that's obviously there's like seven questions there, but I thought it was a really, a really good discussion topic. Um, I think, well, going back to what he said, like, uh, COD is already confirmed and guaranteed to make it on to the next generation. So there is some of that we already know. Um, we've already talked about this a little bit in passing, but I really think Fable's going to make a return. Um, we already know Fable Anniversary is coming out and, um, the, just, a lot of the stuff, if that cloud-based information does still exist within the Xbox One for gaming purposes, which I imagine it does, um, Fable can really do a lot with that. So I think that's going to be what what we'll see coming through with that. Um, insofar as the rest of these, the new IPs seeming worthy of a next-gen uh, sequel, no idea because we haven't played them yet. Uh, they're definitely ones that they're going to position. Um, something like Destiny is definitely going to be positioned to be... Uh, to have expansions and things like that. Titanfall very well may. Um, but until we actually see these games and see how the worlds are orchestrated and whether or not they actually play up to their promise, I think it's really difficult for us to tell right now um, if these will be um, big year-upon-year uh, year IPs. Uh, we also have to wait till we get a little closer to the holidays and see the advertising attached. If they're going to spend millions and millions advertising one of these games, they're probably going to put more behind it than just a year. So um, I don't think we're really ready to know yet uh, which will be more pervasive beyond just their launch window release. Right. I, I know um, Al Capone brought it up. I'm not 100% sold on Gears continuing yeah, I, on. I felt exactly the same when I read that. I was like, yeah, we're done, I don't think. Just because so many people over at Epic Studios have left to pursue um, other jobs with other franchises and other development studios, um, I, I know People Can Fly handled uh, Gears Judgment, and I haven't played it, but by all accounts, it's, it's a pretty good title. Um, so I'm just I'm not sure if Gears is going to make that leap. I feel like Epic really wants to move on into a new franchise to kind of show off their latest iteration of Unreal with the new generation. So I, I feel like Gears may be one of those games that goes away for a while and then maybe comes back when we least expect it. Uh, I'm pretty confident that Mass Effect is going to keep going. It's that you know I would be so happy if that yeah Bioware that they're working on a new title a new Mass Effect title that's all over Twitter um, they have developers talking about what do you think about this and that and the other so I'm positive Mass Effect is going to keep going and I think it honestly they created such a really robust and deep universe with that first trilogy that there's a million stories you can tell in there and I think 
you know, he, he made a good point, or Al Capone made a really good point about it being shepherded. I, I don't think that Shepard is the reason so much, because the reason why Shepard was affected is because everyone's Shepard was different. And you can do that again. They can make another protagonist where you can design it however you want it again. So I think Mass Effect is really going to keep carrying forward. And obviously, it's one of my favorite series of all time, so I'm very prejudiced into thinking that. Um, but the one that I'd really love to see make a, another appearance is Kingdoms of Amalur. I really enjoyed Reckoning. Um, it was very much in that action RPG vein. I thought it was very fun. Uh, I, I'd like to see a publisher and a developer pick that up and keep it going in the next gen. Because I think... There's a lot of possibilities there. Uh, and I agree with you, Michelle, that with the, all these new IPs that are launching in the next gen, it's way too early to try and take a guess at, in my opinion, at which one or w ones of them will continue on. You know, I think it's obvious, say, Destiny and Titanfall are going to have a lot of juice behind them uh, just because the studio's backing them. I'm going to have but a guess. Aside from that, go for it. <laughs> well, of the, of the trailers we saw and of the gameplay footage I've seen, I think, obviously, Quantum Break, which is possibly episodic anyway... Um, could well end up having very various seasons and would therefore be what you would consider a, a long-running IP. Um, and I also think Rise, they looked like there was so much investment in that title that um, they, obviously it's a huge um, concept of an era of, of time to, to take. So there's plenty of stories that could be told in that, in that world too. So I think those are the two that I would expect to possibly have a sequel, depending on how well the, the first one sells, obviously. All right. Um... Let's move on to our next question from uh, Shackle Star, uh, who you probably recognize that name from the boards quite a bit. Um, this question is pretty good. Have you had your fill of nonsense complaints this year yet? Uh, I'm not just referring to people complaining as deep as the first post about the prize of your mailbag, which we'll get to in a moment, uh, but complaints about the next Xbox, the free games Microsoft are giving out, and the list goes on. So I'll just jump ahead that I'm really, I'm kind of done with it. Complaining is, it's the way of the internet now, so everyone complains about everything. But I'm uh, I'm getting a little tired of it. And I would even say, you know, I'd wager a shiny quarter that three years from now, no one is going to remember why anyone was complaining about, like, the Xbox One or these games with gold. And part of me says, you know, once we actually get these consoles and start playing them, a lot of these complaints are going to start to vanish and be replaced by new complaints. So my answer to that question is yes. I'm uh, kind of sick of the complaining. Rich, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's with Twitter and stuff. It seems much easier to to whinge about stuff, doesn't it? Um, it's where you can just quickly spout your annoyance at any little thing, and um, it's very quick to do. And that mentality has pervaded um, a lot of forums as well. Um, I don't know. People like to have a, min, a, a, a whinge and a moan, don't they? So I think it's just the way of the world these days and we just have to accept it. Um, it would be nice if there was as much positive stuff as well. But I guess this is coming off the back of Microsoft being pretty useless at their um, messaging over the last few months. So there is there is reason to whinge. It just uh, I am a little bit sick of it too. Well, I think actually the reason why we're hearing so much of this is because in the end the whiners and complainers have basically gotten everything they've asked for yeah um, oh God. They, they, get worse. they didn't want I, i'm telling you and, and this is where we actually see this a lot at ta and um i mean it's good discussion they're valid reasons for everything um but do we split dlc do we count ratio differently um there's a sense of listening to your consumer listening to the people who are in the end making sure this happens and unfortunately that's really creating a sense of entitlement there is a point at which the publisher the developer the site owner has a right to say 
no, this is what we're going to do. Um, and everyone's so afraid of that now because the internet pitchforks come out and they don't want the bad PR that comes from it. So um, I'm, I'm tired of it. I've been tired of it for a long time. I, I get complaining. I understand it, but I don't like these sort of anonymous. I'm just going to agree with this. Bring valid points to the table. If you're going to complain about something, have good valid points and reason why you're complaining about it. Don't just say, yeah, I agree with that guy. And here's my pitchfork for the mob. So, um, but we're, we're going to have it forever. That's just the nature of things now. So you have to kind of learn to tune it out and uh, not take any of it personally when you see it about something that you enjoy or you're passionate about. One thing that I'll bring up, and this is just something I, I kind of try to live by, is just because you're unhappy about something doesn't mean you're right. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's always good to weigh or to take a step back and look at other opinion points before jumping in. But let's get to our question of the month. Um, I know when I put out the call for mailbag questions, I said we'd have a prize away to prize to give away for the question of the month. So I have a brand shiny new sealed copy of Duke Nukem Forever, which I've been hanging on to for a while, looking for a good occasion to give it out. So uh, congratulations goes to Mr. Enterprise 8, who issued us the following question. It says, hey guys, I have a question. Pick a game and design your own achievement and explain why you created it. Did you feel that achievement was missing from the game? Did you love the game but wanted to do more completion? Or did you just find something really fun to do and wish you got an achievement for it? So, Michelle, why don't you jump in with your answer? Um, my answer probably isn't a great one because it was sort of addressed in some ways. But I was always, um, with the first couple of rock band titles, always a little disappointed that they didn't have achievements related to playing more songs. Um, with a game that was really designed with buying DLC in mind and getting your friends over to play, um, it always boggled me that they didn't have achievements for play a hundred songs with a four-piece band, you know, online or offline. Uh, things that would encourage you to play that way. Because if you've played Rock Band online, it's it, or Rock Band at all, it's great. But it's really fun when you get the band together. And um, I always thought it was a missed opportunity. And they have done some things like that in Rock Band Blitz. There was an achievement for playing a certain number of songs. Um, but that's different than actually playing the core game. Um, I understand also why they didn't do stuff like that. But once again, given the nature of Rock Band and how they were really encouraging you to build your catalog, um, that would have been a great just by, you know, as time goes on, wow, I've played 500 songs. And a lot of the Just Dance games have achievements like that, play 100 songs. And uh, I just really would have loved it there because um, I definitely would have earned it many times over. Um, but that's that's really the only thing that came to mind for me. What about anyone else got something? Um, yeah, I, I'm going to give a half answer to this question because instantly I thought the original Bioshock only because I still love that game so much. I have all the achievements in it. I did brass balls. I did everything, but I just want to go back and play it again. I want more incentive to play it and earn more achievements for doing stuff. So while in my head right now, I don't have good ideas for what achievements could be there. But just playing Bioshock Infinite made me think there's so much more that could have been incentivized with achievements in Bioshock. I really wish um, uh, they could find a way to put more achievements into the game so I could go back and play it again, which gives me great hope for the future when Microsoft said they're going to allow developers to design some new achievements for games as they move forward. Because that's a game where I totally want to go in and play it all over again and really just get deep into it and pop some more achievements. Um, Distant Second is Fallout 3. Just because I spent so much time in that world, I, I enjoyed it so much um, that I, I always loved that they chalked that world so full of stuff 
and some of that stuff they put in there, you didn't even get achievements for. So there was obviously opportunity to really have more things to be rewarded for in that game. Um, so, so that's my answer. Great, great question there, Mr. Enterprise 8. Rich, did you have any uh, achievements or games that you wish you could have revisited with new achievements there? What I would like to see is an additional achievement in the XBLA game Pac-Man Championship Edition DX for beating the game in co-op. Now, for those that haven't played it, Championship Edition is an ultra-cool, colourful and frantic, really frantic version, um, single-player only, of Pac-Man. And I just think it would work absolutely brilliantly as a co-op game with two Pac-Men on screen um, trying to eat all the dots. One of you could tease the ghosts over to you and drag them around, leaving the way clear for the other one to clean up the rest of the screen. And really, it would just be a great excuse to play some more of that game because it really is one of the best XBLA titles that I've ever played. So that would be a, a co-op achievement in Pac-Man Championship Edition DX. All right. So um, thank you to Mr. Enterprise 8. Uh, I will be getting in touch with you via PM on where I can mail your brand new copy of Duke Nukem Forever. Um, so as we continue to go forward with podcasts, we will open up the mailbag from time to time. And we may or may not have prizes, and you may or may not like those prizes. So... That's all I'm going to say about that. I know I have a little stash of things to give away for, for good questions, and we'll go from there. So um, just a couple of things to kind of wrap us up here. Um, we've been having uh, one of the hot threads on the site was this debate about um, using Adblock and how that works with the site. So th there's been a lot of back and forth, at least in that thread. And what we'd like to do um, is we want to kind of bring this to the forefront because it's a uh, – it's a topic that obviously impacts the well-being of the site, and obviously this is a community site, and we value input from the community, and there's a lot of different positions to take. So what we're doing is we're going to invite community members to weigh in uh, with their thoughts in kind of a point-counterpoint style feature. So we're going to put together an op-ed with community feedback in it. So if you have an opinion or would like to volunteer to write one side of the argument or the other, please send me, uh, OSU Blue Jacket, a message. Send me a PM, and we'll work to put together... Um, all these different ideas and we'll publish a piece for public consumption on you know adblock and using it and how that impacts the site and contributions our community makes that may impact that so feel free to uh, send that to me and we will work that all together so uh, a couple of final things to get us out the door uh, first and foremost thank you for listening please uh, subscribe in iTunes, leave us some feedback and a good rating uh, you can always subscribe via FeedBurner or through the, uh, the site page we have a special podcast page here on the site where you can access all of our podcasts so you can listen to them through the browser or you can download them uh, onto the device of your choice so please be sure to do that uh, don't forget to connect to us on facebook and twitter but not myspace do not look for us on myspace uh, we are not there uh, big thanks to uh dave k and the kinetic for providing our music and as a final note um i do want to uh, express Kind of on behalf of the podcast crew and the site in general, general um, our condolences at the passing of Giant Bomb's Ryan Davis. Um, many of you know him as Taswell. He, he's kind of the host, the MC of the Bombcast, which uh, I know when we started kind of coming into this TA podcast, we wanted to really find a way to do it as our own. And I know, well, I will never probably be as good at this job as Ryan Davis was. He certainly set a standard to which I will achieve uh, or I will attempt to reach. And if I even get to be half as good at this as Ryan Davis was, 
uh, I, I think will have done something amazing for this site. So uh, if any members of the Giant Bomb community or the Giant Bomb staff are, happen to listen to our humble podcast, um, please and thank you for everything you've done, not just for podcasting, but for games coverage in general. You, you guys set the standard, and uh, we are just hoping to do our best to follow that. So uh, on that kind of somber note, please uh, find joy in, in gaming. Uh, I know it's easy for us to get bogged down in negatives, but that's something Ryan did really well, is he always found found the joy in, in, in this hobby that we all love. So while it's easy to kind of bog down and bag down on things, um, always try and stay positive and remember, we're, we're, we do this to have fun. We do this to have fun and, and to really explore a medium which is still emerging. So play a game, have some fun, and share that fun with others. I think that's what uh, Ryan would want uh, as we kind of move forward. Well said. So, uh, on behalf uh, of Rich, True Achievement, and Michelle Matrork, uh, I am OSU Blue Jacket, otherwise known as Jay. Uh, please listen, keep listening, let us know how we're doing, and we will see you all next month when we have more exciting things to talk about, more achievement challenges to cover, and more news to discuss. So, thank you very much. Have a great rest of your day. Mm-hmm.